The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God for all of us, the people of God. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful for you. We thank you that you, you are with us in this world through your spirit living in us, that same spirit that lived in Jesus when he walked this earth. God, we thank you that your love doesn't stop at anything to connect us back to you, to forgive us, to reconcile us as your children. God, as we listen to the word this morning, we pray that you would open our ears. God, that we may hear what you're speaking to us in our lives right now through this word. Speak to us through your spirit. And we, we pray for Pastor Chris, asking for your strength and your words to pour through him as he preaches. God, may your spirit anoint him. And may your words go through him to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Growing up, my uh, family, like many others, just after Thanksgiving, would ring in the Christmas season by putting up the Christmas tree and absolutely decking the house out with holiday decor and normally by the first day of December I would have a pile of gifts underneath the Christmas tree and at least a few of those would have my name on them. And this was a season of great joy for me but to be honest it was mixed with a little bit of frustration because I had to do something that I didn't much care for. I had to wait. Come on somebody how many just dread waiting? 
for most of the month, I lived in this place of already but not yet. The, the Christmas season was in full swing, but Christmas Eve, Christmas Day was not yet here. And it seemed sometimes like an eternity away. Here I had this pile of gifts shining under the Christmas tree, illuminated by the Christmas lights, and I'm not supposed to touch them lest my mom cut me. She's here this morning, by the way. And so it was like it's a season of already, of already there they are. But not yet. You better not touch them lest you die. All right? So today is the first Sunday of Advent. And this is a time in which we recognize that we as believers are in this already but not yet season. See, during this time we remember God's promises fulfilled at Christmas as we consider the already, the incarnation of Christ who is God with us. But this is not just a season of remembrance. It's also a time of great anticipation meant to stir within our hearts a longing for the not yet, namely Christ's second coming. The Bible talks a lot about the kingdom of God and it's interesting in Mark 1.15, Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, we have a foretaste of God's kingdom now. But we know from many other scriptures that the kingdom of God will not be fully realized until Jesus comes back again. We see this kind of tension in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. I'll read it for you. It says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. There we have the already. And what we will be has not yet appeared. There's the not yet. But we know, watch this, that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Friends, brothers and sisters, it only gets better for the believer. Amen? We have a foretaste now, but there's coming a time when we will absolutely know him in fullness. As a matter of fact, when we pray according to the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, you know what we're essentially praying for? We're praying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because His kingdom will not come in fullness until He returns. And we say this morning, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So during the next four weeks, here's my aim through this series that in the midst of the hustle and bustle of all the festivities of the season, is anybody tired already? I just pray that we would slow down and remember the true reason for Christmas. And as we study the Christmas story, that we would also look forward with great anticipation to the Lord's second coming. And through all of this, friends, May our affections be raised for Jesus. That's always the goal of my preaching. Today we began by looking at Joseph's part of the Christmas story. In our text we find him straight away in an already but not yet season. We're going to start off by looking at, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, by looking at Joseph's assessment. Joseph's assessment. In verse 18 we see that Joseph receives what is considered as earth-shattering news about his soon-to-be wife, Mary. 
And verse 21 tells us that he is considering these things. And that word means he's pondering. He is assessing the situation. What situation is it that Joseph is wrestling with? Well, verse 18, go there with me. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And at first, Joseph does not know the by the from the Holy Spirit part. He just knows Mary is with child. Betrothal in the ancient culture was more binding than when what we call uh, engagement in the Western world today. Betrothal usually lasted about a year, and the man and woman during the season were considered pledged to one another. But the marriage was not yet consummated. This man and woman would not live together. Often they still lived at home. And they, there was absolutely no sexual activity. And as a matter of fact, during this betrothal period, sex with someone else would have been considered full-fledged adultery. And so Joseph, as he is betrothed in this betrothed stage in his relationship with Mary, is experiencing an already but not yet season. We're already pledged, but the marriage has not yet been consummated. It's kind of like the Christmas presents being under the tree but not able to open them. Come on, somebody. Forgive me, Lord, for saying that. I didn't say that first service, so. And now, as he is anticipating this, the, the consummation of the marriage, he receives this devastating news to him that Mary is actually with child. And friends, his world is shattered for a moment, and he thinks, here's the girl I'm about to marry, and she has been with another man. And so he comes up with a plan. In verse 19, it says, Joseph, being a just man, an unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So when the Scripture calls Joseph a just man, it does not mean that he was perfect. It's simply saying that he's living according to the law. He seeks to live by the law of God. And if you go back to the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy 22, the punishment for, uh, for adultery is pretty severe. The punishment for sexual immorality was death. You could be stoned. Dr. Craig Keener writes that in Joseph's day, though, by the, here in the first century, he would merely be required to just divorce his wife. And so if Joseph stays, here's what he knows. Both he and Mary will be put to shame. He'll look like a lawbreaker, and he doesn't want to do that. He thinks it best, considering God's law, to just walk away. Very quietly, he wants to walk away because he's a good man. He doesn't want to put her to shame, possibly uh, defer, uh, put off some of her shame. I just want to stop here for just a moment and say this. When you are a just person, in other words, how are we made just? We, we are made just by Christ's righteousness, right? Our faith in him. When you are a Christian and you have a relationship with him, with, with Christ, it does not mean that you'll never receive devastating news. It does not mean that you'll never go through hardship. I feel, I feel that there is a, a false gospel being proclaimed about America today that says, uh, come to Jesus and he'll make all your trouble go away. That's actually not what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, uh, in this world you will have tribulation. Now he said, in me you can have peace. I've overcome the world. 
But he never says that, oh, you know what, all your troubles are going to go away. We know from the scriptures and we know from uh, personal testimony that sometimes when you're a Christian, you know, we do have a real enemy and we still live in a fallen world. Sometimes life can get even tougher. The Christian life is not all cupcakes and rainbows. I've said it over and over and over. We don't need to sell the false gospel that says, you know what, Jesus will just make all your trouble go away. The promise is he won't leave you in trouble. The promise is he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. And here's one other thing I'll point out before we move on. When you receive devastating news in your life, never ever make a rash decision out of high emotion. Okay, Joseph, I, I don't know if he sought the Lord much in this or not, but he decides, hey, listen, this is my perception. This is what's happening. There's no other uh, possibility, so I'm just going to jet. Really, it seems without much thought about the Lord. Now, he did, you know, think about the law and say, hey, well, here's what the law would have me to do. But our perception is off many times. You know what? When, when you get bad news or when you're going through trouble, it would, we would all do well, wouldn't we, to stop, get on our knees and say, God, what are you doing in this? Because my Bible says that all things, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, are working together for our good and his glory. For those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so we would do well to say, God, what are you doing and how should I respond? And I don't know if God or if Joseph asked God for an answer or not, but secondly, I want to look at God's answer. Sometimes he answers us when we don't even ask. Joseph is ready to jet to move on with his life, and as he ponders, assesses this plan, an angel of the Lord gives him God's plan, which is greatly different from his. Verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does God's plan consist of? Number one, he says, you will take Mary as your wife. Don't fear. The Lord shows Joseph that, in fact, Mary is not guilty of being with another man. She is with child from the Holy Spirit, and Joseph is to take her as his bride. And then the angel says, by the way, this child that is in her womb, this is the one who will save his people from their sins. And here we find the beautiful doctrine of the Incarnation. The understanding that Jesus is both God and man is foundational to our faith. I heard a popular preacher just uh, two days ago say these words over and over and over. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he was not God. Friends, that is heresy. You would have been burned at the stake 200 years ago for that statement. The understanding that Jesus is both God and man is foundational to our faith. Here's why. The preexistent and eternal son taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man allowed him to shed the blood necessary to redeem us. But Jesus did not just come as a man. He did not just come as a good man, as many think to point us to God. No, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. His divine nature 
made him fit to be our Redeemer. No human being with a sinful mother and father could pay the debt for our sin, for they too would be born into sin. Because Jesus is God in the flesh, hear me, he alone could, could fulfill the law, appease the wrath of God through his perfect sacrifice, and save us from our sins. And this child, what we know from Matthew here, is the promised everlasting king that would come through the royal line of David. And as verses 22 and 23 tell us, this is the long awaited for a Messiah, the one that would be Emmanuel that Isaiah spoke of as recorded in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Because of all of this, God is changing Joseph's plan. Joseph is not to leave Mary. He is to take her as his wife. But there's something else. The angel actually says, Joseph, by the way, you're the surrogate father, but you don't get naming rights. You don't get to name your child. His name shall be Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. In the ancient world, names really meant something. You had a lot to, your name had a lot to do with your identity. And even today, we only get to name people or places that we might have a, some measure of authority over. For instance, if you make a sizable donation to a hospital or a university, you might have the power to name a wing or even a building. Matter of fact, if you want to give a sizable donation to Real Life Community Church, I'll let you name my office, the kitchen, whatever. We'll name it after you. I kid, kind of. As parents, we have the great privilege of naming our children, which I think is really unfortunate for some kids today. Now, I'm, I'm going to take a leap here, and I hope your kid has not named this, all right? If so, I, I apologize. But there was a story I was reading in the New York Times this week, and there was a story, and I think this was uh, uh, the, from the Southwest Airlines. Did you see this? This stewardess is, you know, the title, uh, it, it basically says that she's mocking a kid's name, and I'm outraged. I think, how could you do this until I saw the kid's name? <laughs> His name is Abesid, or her name, I can't remember, Abesid. You know how it's spelled? A, B, C, D. Mom and dad should not have had naming rights. Come on, somebody. There's some weird names out there today. It, listen, if you have any more kids, please think of your children when you name them, all right? Even though Joseph is the surrogate father of the child, he actually doesn't get the privilege of picking the name. Uh, verse 21, call your attention there one more time. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, which means God is salvation. For he will save people from their sins. Joseph is not the ruler of this child. This child is the ruler of the world. Okay, think about that. Now watch this. When we truly come to Jesus Christ, we don't get naming rights. We don't get to put God in our box. See, to many people, God is a concept, not a reality. So Here's what I think God should be. This is what I think his character should be like. So when I go to him, I, I'm just going to address him as this. And we, so many people try to name God. Um, but no, we come to the Lord as one way, in one way. We come to him as Lord. He is Lord. Okay? Let, let me give you some examples of some names that people try to put on God. Number one is genie in a bottle. I'll take Jesus if he will make all my wishes come true. Health, wealth, luxury. Give me that, Jesus. Sign me up. Cosmic bellhop is another one. I'll take Jesus. 
listen, I don't need you to stay in my room all the time, but if I need you, if I'm in trouble, I'll just ring the bell and you'll come to my beck and call. Give me that Jesus. Then there's uh, the name uh, that I'll call the Holiday Inn, meaning I'll take Jesus if he'll just make my stay on earth a little more comfortable. Folks, that's not why he came. So many want to come to Christ. They want naming rights. In other words, they want to call the shots. This is not how we come to Jesus. Romans 10, Romans 10, 9 says this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. Say it again. Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. When we come to Christ, we don't call the shots anymore. We don't get to say, you know what, Lord, I really don't want to follow you in this situation, so I'm just going to do my own thing. No, that's not the heart of a Christian. When it comes to tough decisions, whatever it might be, we follow the leading of the Lord. Jesus says in uh, Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? He didn't come, friends, sorry to say, for your earthly comfort. He didn't come to be your cosmic bellhop. He came for something much better, though. He came to reconcile us to God the Father. So you don't hear this preached too much, but outside of Christ, you and I, we are actually under the wrath of God. You ask people today, you know, do you want to be saved? And they're like, saved from what? Because they have no concept of sin. I heard a preacher on TV say this. Most people, and he said, actually said 90% of people, has one of the biggest churches in America, 90% of, of people are good people in their hearts. Then why did Jesus come? Because my Bible says that there's none righteous. There's none good but God. There's none righteous. No, not one. That's why he came. Because we are in such a, a, a desperate situation, we are more wicked than we could possibly ever imagine to the core. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. Even though we could not get to God on our own by our own works in a million lifetimes, Jesus came to us, born into a major, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross to pay a penalty that we could not pay for ourselves. He came to do for us what I couldn't do, what you couldn't do for ourselves. Powerful. That's why he came. There's only one way we receive these blessings. It's to come to him with a broken and a contrite spirit with repentance and belief, which means we submit to him as Lord. And God, through the angel, changes Joseph's plans, and he might change your plans, just to tell you. But remember, his ways are what? They're higher than our ways. His thoughts, higher than our thoughts. And so we've looked at Joseph's assessment and God's answer to his plan. And number three, I want to look at Joseph's anticipation. Joseph's anticipation, verse 24 I'll call your attention there. It says this, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He's obeying. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph wisely is submitting here to the plan of God. He is believing God's promises. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you. This means his life is perfect here, from here on out, right? Not by a long shot. See, Joseph is, is, is now in a season of already, but not yet. Premarital sex is a huge deal in this ancient Jewish culture. By the way, it should still be a huge deal today. 
having a baby out of wedlock would have brought much social shame on Joseph and Mary. And I just want you to go with me for a second. I want you to think, think back to this. And, you know, we celebrate uh, Joseph and Mary. We have songs about them, Christmas plays about them. And, like, we get the whole story, so we honor them. But it's interesting if you think back to their day and age. I mean, just imagine Jesus being dropped off at daycare. I'm not being irreverent. He probably didn't go to daycare. But just, just think of Joseph, you know, saying, you know, here's how old Jesus is. And here's, well, well, how long have you all been married? And they're doing the math. They're going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And Joseph, you see the explanation, right? Oh, wait a minute. This one's from the Holy Spirit. It's not mine. <laughs> oh, you want to know what else? This is actually God, right? You filling out name tags. And it's like, you know, Billy, A, B, C, D, and God, right? Could you, could you imagine? There, there must have been great social disdain um, in their lives. There would have been great discomfort. Um, and, and you know what? Here's what I've, I've considered as I was preparing this message. There ought to be some social awkwardness in our own lives um, when we're in the world. Because we're, we're to be, the Bible calls us to be strangers and pilgrims. And if you never feel like you're going against the grain, if you never feel like you're swimming against the current, friends, there's an issue. There's an issue. We're not supposed to fit in. We're to be loving. We're not to judge the world. We're to be loving. But you know what? We don't do the things they do. We shouldn't. Because much of the world, even most of our country today, their values don't line up with biblical values. So when you stand behind biblical values, you're going to be at odds with some folks. And I just want you to know, when you come to Christ, you're going to feel some social tension. A uh, young man today came to the altar first service. It was amazing. He's from a halfway house here. He, works, he, he lives with some really broken and, and wretched men. And he came up today and he said, Pastor, I want to be saved. He said those exact words to me. Pastor, I want to be saved. I said, well, you've come to the right place. So I, I got to, to share the gospel with him, lead him to the Lord this morning. And I just thought, you know, he's going back to a place where people aren't going to get what's going on in his heart today. They're not going to understand it. And he's going to feel probably as he grows in sanctification like an outcast. And friends, we ought to, you ought to feel like that at work at times. If you never feel at odds with the people around you, you might want to check your walk with Jesus, okay? When Jesus is born, you would think then that people would be grateful for Mary and Joseph. Hey, this is the one who's going to save us from our sins. You'd think there'd be gratitude, especially by the religious, but that's not the case. Jesus is born. Mary and Joseph have to flee immediately to Egypt because Herod wants to destroy Jesus. And even as Jesus gets older, even the religious people hate him and they want his life. They crucify him. Joseph is in, this is what I want you to see, Joseph is in this already but not yet season. He is following God's plan, God, believing God's promises. He's experiencing a foretaste of the promises. But there's still struggle from this fallen world in his life. And friends, this is where we find ourselves today in this Advent season. So we celebrate the coming of Jesus into this world in the likeness of man. 
We celebrate what he did. We celebrate his perfect life. We celebrate his death, his burial, his resurrection, his sacrifice, his redemption. That's the already. I'm justified today by faith in Christ. I'm as justified as I've, I'll ever be. I'm at right standing with God. But there's still struggle because of this fallen world. There's still pain. There's still brokenness. But I want to give you great hope today and just encourage you because we have a promise. He is coming again. And let me just tell you today, remind you that the first time he came as a humble baby. But friends, he's coming back as a conquering king. Come on. Last time he came as a humble little lamb. But he'll return bold as a lion. He's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he was rejected by many, even some of his own. But I want you to know when he comes back again, the scripture declares, and it is so, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. He's coming again. See, in this life, we are called to take up our cross and follow him. We're called to stay here right now in a world full of pain and suffering, sickness, persecution, all part of the fall. All part of the fall. But I want you to know, friends, there's coming a day when we will be together with the Lord in a new heavens and a new earth. We have a foretaste now of his kingdom, but when he returns, we will know that kingdom in fullness. We will know him in fullness. Yes, we're already justified. We already have peace with him. We already have fellowship with him, right standing with God. We're in the already, but not yet. And I want to leave you with one scripture. The Apostle Paul, in the, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, he's writing to encourage these believers who are going through some things. Just again, just a reminder that as Christians, we go through stuff. We go through tribulation. We're still in this world. There are times that God's, God spares us. He delivers us. He heals us. But there are times also that for whatever reason... We just suffer. We just suffer. We go through something. We don't understand it. We just have to trust the Lord and that he is still good. Paul, he writes these words. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. He says, for this light momentary affliction. And let me just stop there. This light momentary affliction. What, what affliction has Paul experienced? And what affliction will he continue to experience throughout his life? I'll tell you what. Beaten, stoned, shipwrecked. We know that he experienced some sort of physical ailment. Snake, bit, snake bitten, left for dead, abandoned by friends, quote unquote. Stripped of everything. He said in prison, he said, I count it all but loss. When he compared it to what he has now in Christ Jesus. He calls all of that in much more. Light momentary affliction. Why? It's because of comparison. Watch this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want you to think about this. This is Paul, great man of faith. He doesn't say, hey, just believe more and God's going to bring you out of all of it. He doesn't even say it's senseless. And I just have great news for you today. If you're going through a struggle this morning, it's not purposeless if you're a child of God. Look at the wording in that text. Your light momentary affliction. It's actually working for your good. A Christian who is not willing to suffer, I've got issues with. Because suffering produces good things in us. Do we pray for healing? Do we pray for deliverance? Absolutely. But we trust the mighty will of God. This light momentary affliction, friend, listen, what you're going through right now, if you'll cling to Jesus Christ, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll cling to Him, hold fast to Him, the enemy wants you to, because of your suffering, throw in the towel and say, oh, Lord, haven't you seen all the good that I've done? I'm trying to follow you, and this is going to happen. I don't want anything to do with you. The enemy would love for you to renounce God, to curse God, but I'm thankful. I'm looking at some folks today that you've been to hell and back, and you have stayed faithful, and you're here, and your hands were lifted this morning in praise, and you can still amen because there's still faith in you. You've held on to Jesus, and he's held on to you. And your suffering is not purposeless. It's preparing for you something that Paul can just say is an eternal weight of glory. Why is there no more explanation? Because your finite mind, my finite mind, couldn't handle it, couldn't comprehend it. It's going to be good. So I want to just speak great hope to you today. I want to encourage you today to know it might be really bad right now, and I'd love to pray with you. But I want you to know it's not senseless. And I just want to encourage you, cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Listen, if you're here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you're not in the already. Okay? The sad thing about that, you know, there's a book out called Your Best Life Now, Christian book. The only reason, the only way that statement is true, that your best life is now, is if you're not a Christian. Because it's, I'm sorry to tell you, is as good as it gets. But if you're a Christian, oh, it's going to get so much better. It's going to get so much better. It's powerful. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, we had a young man I told you today. His name is Bruce. Just awesome to see the Lord. I, I saw him back there, locked eyes with him. He, he comes up just in front of a whole congregation of people. He's not been here very many times. Pastor, I just want to be saved. I want to be saved. How do I do it? Didn't know what baptism was. Didn't not, not that that's a part of the salvation, but he's going to get baptized next week. Isn't that great? And he, he believed on the Lord. It's all right. Yeah, you can be happy about this. It's awesome. His life has changed. I watched him before my eyes today move from death to life, from darkness to life. It's incredible. And that's here for you. Some of you, you may have been in here. You may have come to church many times, but church doesn't save you. I can't save you, but I can point you this morning to the one who can. Would you make that same decision that, that Bruce made this morning? I just feel pressed to say this. I didn't say it early service, but some of you are, here, here's your attitude. Well, I've got to clean myself up, and then I'll come to Jesus. You can't do it. You can never be clean enough to be accepted by him. If you could, Jesus would not have had to come. So I just encourage you, run to him today. 
Profess Him as Lord. Repent of your sin. Believe in your heart that, that, that God, that, that Jesus died and that God raised Him from the dead. Turn to Him. Let Him be Lord of your life. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. For the rest of you, I assume I'm speaking mostly to Christians. I hope so. And uh, I just want to encourage you in your pain. Cling to Jesus. This morning, if you need prayer, if you'll come to this side, we'll leave you alone. Um, if you'll come to this side, if you want one of our prayer partners to, to pray with you, we'd love to do that. But uh, they're going to lead us. Uh, Bob and Tiffany will lead us in a song here. And I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray. The altar is going to be open. And then we're going to close out with communion in just a moment. So, uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for drawing us to you. Thank you for pursuing us. The Bible says that none can come to the Father unless He draws us. And we believe that. And I believe you're drawing some people even now. So, so Father, I pray today if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today they would respond to the gospel and that they would indeed be saved. That's why Jesus came, to save us from our sins. So I pray that they would believe, that they would repent today. And Lord, for the, those Christians here today who are going through a season of struggle, may they have great hope in the midst of pain. May you, you saturate them with your spirit, with your comfort, with your peace. You said in your word, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I pray for rest for them today. And I pray that all of us would set our affections on Jesus and set our eyes on what's to come. See something more beautiful than the present. That we look ahead to the mark of the high calling. May we be faithful, Lord. May we hear those words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Through the pain, through the heartache, through sickness, through turmoil, may we, may we continue to cling to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' good name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.